The Bible Study Podcast, episode 539. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the kings of Israel and Judah with 2 Samuel 20. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. You may recall last week we ended one revolt against David where the people of Israel had left him, or at least a lot of them had, well, today we start another. Sheba rebels against David. Now, a troublemaker named Sheba, son of Bikri, a Benjamite, happened to be there. He sounded the trumpet and shouted, We have no share in David, no part in Jesse's son, every man to his tent, Israel. So all the men of Israel deserted David to follow Sheba, son of Bikri. But the men of Judah stayed by their king all the way from the Jordan to Jerusalem. When David returned to his palace in Jerusalem, he took the ten concubines he had left to take care of the palace and put them in a house under guard. He provided for them but had no sexual relations with them. They were kept in confinement till the day of their death, living as widows. Then the king said to Amasa, Summon the men of Judah to come to me within three days and be here yourself. But when Amasa went to summon Judah, he took longer than the time the king had set for him. David said to Abishai, Now Sheba the son of Bikri will do more harm than Absalom did. Take your master's men and pursue him, or he will find fortified cities and escape from us. So Joab's men and the Kirathites and the Pelathites and all the mighty warriors went out under the command of Abishai. They marched out from Jerusalem to pursue Sheba son of Bikri. While they were at the great rock in Gibeon, Amasa came to meet them. Joab was wearing his military tunic and strapped over it at his waist was a belt with a dagger in its sheath. As he stepped forward, it dropped out of its sheath. Joab said to Amasa, How are you, my brother? Then Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand to kiss him. Amasa was not on guard against the dagger in Joab's hand, and Joab plunged it into his belly, and his intestines spilled out on the ground. Without being stabbed again, Amasa died. Then Joab and his brother Abishai pursued Sheba, son of Bikri. One of Joab's men stood beside Amasa and said, Whoever favors Joab and whoever is for David, let him follow Joab. Amasa lay wallowing in his blood in the middle of the road, and the men saw that all the troops came to a halt there. When he realized that everyone who came up to Amasa stopped, he dragged him from the road into a field and threw a garment over him. After Amasa had been removed from the road, everyone went on with Joab to pursue Sheba, son of Bikri. Sheba passed through all the tribes of Israel to Abel, to Abel Beth Makkah, and through the entire region of the Bikrites, who gathered together and followed him. All the troops with Joab came and besieged Sheba in Abel Beth Makkah. They built a siege ramp up to the city, and it stood against the outer fortifications. While they were battering the wall to bring it down, a wise woman called from the city, Listen, listen, tell Joab to come here so that I can speak to him. He went towards her and she asked, Are you Joab? I am, he answered. She said, Listen to what your servant has to say. I'm listening, he said. She continued, Long ago they used to say, Get your answer at Abel. And that settled it. We are the peaceful and faithful in Israel. You are trying to destroy a city that is a mother in Israel. Why do you want to swallow up the Lord's inheritance? Far be it from me, Joab replied. Far be it from me to swallow up or destroy. 
That is not the case. A man named Sheba, son of Bikri, from the hill country of Ephraim, has lifted up his hand against the king, against David. Hand over this one man, and I'll withdraw from the city. The woman said to Joab, His head will be thrown to you from the wall. Then the woman went to all the people with her wise advice, and they cut off the head of Sheba, son of Bikri, and threw it to Joab. So he sounded the trumpet, and his men dispersed from the city, each returning home, and Joab went back to the king in Israel. And then just one little paragraph here. Joab was David's officials. Joab was the king over Israel's entire army. Benai, son of Jehoiada, was over the Kerithites and Pelethites. Um, Adoniram was in charge of forced labor. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahalud, was recorder. Shiva was secretary. Zadok and Abathar were priests. And Ira the Jerathite was David's priest. So we get, before David even gets back to Jerusalem, now you remember that all the people were having a fight last week over who had the greater share in David. Do you remember that? That was just last week. That was just in the same time as this happened. This isn't like he goes home and he is king for 10 more years and there's a rebellion. We get all the people arguing about, well, we have a greater share in David than you do. Oh, no, we have a greater share than you do. The people of Israel versus the people of Judah are fighting about this because everybody wants to have a greater share in David, even though they were just rebelling against David, or some of them were, with his son. And now in the middle of this, suddenly someone says, no, we have no, we, we have no share in David at all, right? We were arguing about whether we had a greater share than Judah. Well, forget it. We have no share in David, every man to his tent. And so he basically says, no, let's go the other way. Let's forget David again. So the people of Israel are not really all that faithful, one would have to say. And that's interesting to note here because we are at chapter 20 of Samuel, and we're starting to wind down the time of David. It's one of the reasons we have who are his officials listed at the end. We're going to get to some sections here that are going to be his last words, that are going to talk about his mighty men, and we're going to wind down his story here in the last four chapters of Second Samuel. Second Samuel is 24 chapters. We're at chapter 20. And then Solomon is going to become king in First Kings. And we're going to go right on into that story. And David's going to be alive for a couple chapters here, but we're starting to wind it down. And it's interesting to note that people are going to be faithful during the time of Solomon, but during the time of his son is when the split is going to happen. The split is going to happen with Judah going with Solomon's son and with Israel or 10 tribes of Israel going with the new king. Another interesting thing about it, though, is I said the Judah is going to go with Solomon's son, Judah and Benjamin. And this is a Benjamite who is basically starting this rebellion. So even now in the time of David, David, who has generally been a good king, uh, done some things wrong, but as kings go, his kingship has been pretty good. We're going to see that even in his time, there are some fractions that will later on break, and they will break not here, but two generations later. And we'll see why when we get to that story in First Kings. He gets back to Jerusalem, though. Now he's finally back, and he basically sends out the men because we've got another rebellion and go pursue him. And he says to Amasa, go summon the men. And apparently Amasa doesn't do it fast enough. He doesn't do it in the time period given. Well, the suspicion is 
that he's not doing it because he has become unfaithful to David. Now, I say the suspicion is you'll notice in this whole story where Joab meets him and stabs him on the road, there is no trial. There is a great surprise on Amasa's part. We don't know and nor are we told why Amasa was late. He was late. Joab suspects him. If you're going to say anything about Joab, you have to say he is a man of action. He is a violent man, we would also have to say. But he suspects that Amasa has been unfaithful. And so he meets him on the road with a hug and a knife. And so that explains, if you're wondering why, well, other than the fact that they're seeing uh, his body on the road while people are all stopping on the way when they see his body, it's not just that they've never seen a dead body before. It's because when they see him, they're thinking, hang on a second, isn't that Amasa? Doesn't he work for David? Did you hear that Joab stabbed him? What's that all about? Is that going to happen to me? Is this what we get for working with David? There's all of these doubts and things are going to come up because they see Amasa and they don't know what happened. And what happened wasn't you know, we we had a trial, we found Amasa guilty, and he was executed. So it's going to lead to some questions. And so they finally pull his body off the side so the people at least won't see it, and we can deal with that later. So they follow Bikri. They follow, they follow this rebel, and they follow him to the city of Abel. And they're, see, they're besieging the city. And it's interesting because they put up a siege ramp, Depending on how high the wall of the city is, a siege ramp takes some time. Let's assume the wall is at least as tall as a person. This is pick and shovel work, and you do it while people are throwing stones at you and all of these things. So they're they're fighting some contention you would expect as they're building up the siege ramp. You don't just do it in peace. And while all of this is going on, it says there's a wise woman. And the wise woman, and apparently the city doesn't understand why they're at siege which is interesting. It seems like that might have been good to announce. But she basically comes up and says, hey, can I talk to Joab? Shouts from the city wall and people bring Joab over. And there's this conversation about why are you doing this? Why are you trying to destroy a city that is a mother in Israel? And he says, I'm not. We're just after this one guy. We're after Sheba. And they go, well, we can solve that really quickly. And when the people of the city find out that that guy who just came in the city gates is the reason that they're under siege. Uh, His days are numbered because they have, you don't want to be that guy. Uh, And so her wisdom here in at least finding out what the heck is going on and looking to see if there's a simpler solution saves her city. It's interesting that no one else thought to do this. As you get this conflict, apparently they see this army coming, they shut the gates, and everybody's prepared for siege. Now, of course, we're coming out of this time of unrest. There's been now two rebellions in a quick succession. And when you see an army coming, you shut the gates. But you want to ask at least, find out, is there any other way that we can solve this problem? We don't find ourselves in this situation that often uh, where we're under siege in a literal, physical sense with armies. But we do sometimes get defensive when there may be another way out. We do sometimes attack back because we are being attacked, whether or not that's the right thing to do. And so it's wisdom to look at the situation and try and decide, 
in this situation, is there a better way out? And I think we'll wrap up there. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. Again, we're going to be winding down the David story here over the next four chapters and starting to get ready for King Solomon. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at the Bible Study Podcast. And thanks so much for listening. Y'all, we all got weaknesses. It's okay. Just acknowledge what those weaknesses are and be willing to confront them. Even when restoration doesn't work, forgiveness always does. Chris, how did you overcome the whole passive husband thing? I led him through it. (laughs) (laughs) There is work for us to do. It is not just sit back and cross my arms and just kind of wait for God to drop the miracle. Hey, y'all, it's Dana Shea. For real faith-based marriage advice, be sure to tune into Real Relationship Talk on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.